Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 161. This week's episode is with the first team fitness coach at the current League Two leaders, Forest Green Rovers, Tom Hewin. Tom came to talk about the club's approach when it comes to energy, transport and food. And for anyone that doesn't know, the club adopts a vegan approach. So that was really interesting to get into that with Tom and how that impacts the work that he does and also the the lessons it's taught him along the way. We also spoke about his experiences of having Jonas Dodu, who's recently in at the club, uh, working with some players and some of the coaches. So some of his takeaways from seeing Jonas coach and uh, some things that have stayed in the programme from Jonas's visit to the club as well. Um, Talked about speed development with the players as well. And then we also touched on how much data informs his practice and also how he goes about presenting data as well. So something, again, we spoke about a bit in previous episodes. So it's great to chat with Tom and I hope you take plenty from the podcast. Please, as always, give this podcast a share. I really appreciate everyone that does it. And when you share it as well, just either drop us a message or put it as you retweet or repost on Instagram, just a short comment on what you took away from it because it really interests me in terms of what your takeaways were from the podcast. And also just on that, if you haven't done so already, I appreciate everyone that's already done it. But please pop over to iTunes and leave us an iTunes review as well. It helps us grow the podcast with all your support. Just before we get started, as as this podcast goes out, uh, it will be on Wednesday, the 3rd of November. Now, the 4th of November, we have our networking event at Leighton Orient. So if if you're listening to this after the event, um, I hope you enjoyed the event if you came to it. We have got our next event on the 16th of November up at Newcastle at St. James's Park. And we've got Dawn Scott presenting for us on the preparations of the 2019 World Cup winners USA. So I'm absolutely delighted to have Dawn involved with the, with the meeting. And I hope to see as many of you listeners there as possible. We've all, we have got tickets still available for that event, but there's also plenty being snapped up as well. So go and grab your ticket for that one. And we will be bringing you two new events coming for December very soon as well. Just tying up the last few details on those and we will be announcing those as soon as possible as well. Some top, top speakers and venues to come on those as well. So finishing the year strong. So I appreciate all your support. Let's get into the podcast now. Episode 161 with the first team fitness coach at Forest Green Rovers, Tom Hewin. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 161. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by first team fitness coach at Forest Green Rovers, Tom Hewlin. Tom, how are we doing? All good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. No problem, mate. It's great to have you on. Great to catch up. Um, we got, I know we've got some topics to get into in a little bit, but let's start in true podcast fashion. Let's just go into a little bit on you and your background to start with. So do you want to just take us back from Forest Green and take us into your, the sort of journey you've had in your career so far? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep it brief because I don't want to bore your listeners um, <laughs> too much. Um, so I, I did uh, my undergrad um, in sports science, which I think is sort of fairly uh, uh, typical of a lot of your guests. You kind of start down the university route, get your degree. Um, and then I, and I went... I went actually into work straight away after I finished my three years. Um, and I worked in the gym for a year just because I wanted to get a job. I wanted to pay off debt. So I wanted to kind of um, get into the, into the world of work. Um, so I did, I did that for a year, um, which was really good. Um, and then I had an opportunity to work in, a, uh, uh, in an independent school doing a kind of a sports, a general sports coaching, sports assistant, uh, leisure centre type type role um which which was great because um i kind of moved away from the sort of the, the sort of the fitness area i guess and, and kind of kind of went into a more of a, a sporting environment so i had lots of exposure to um to coaching different sports um obviously working with with with, with kids and um uh, school children and and um probably kind of was was moving down the teaching route at that stage um but um i i decided after a few years that i wanted to do a master's 
so I did a uh, master's in strength conditioning um, and that sort of opened a few doors for me um, and um, that eventually led to a, an internship at Reading Football Club which was my local club at the time and the club I supported which was which was great um, so I did a year at Reading always always helps <laughs> so um, so yeah so that was my first sort of um, exposure into into I suppose well the world of football for a start uh, professionally anyway um, but but that that kind of sports science strength conditioning kind of strand um, and as I say that was a year placement or year internship um, and it was great and I learned a huge amount and I kind of got a bit of a bit of a taste for it really a bit of a bug and wanted to uh, at some point get back in but it's not easy as, as you know and uh, you sort of full-time positions are, are quite hard to come by um, so I, I did lots of I did quite a few little jobs just to kind of keep the money flowing in and paying the bills. Um, I went to um, loads of uh, conferences. Um, I, I did courses. I did volunteering where I could. Um, everything to try and sort of get a, a bit of an edge and, and, and try and get my, my, my CV out there. And, um, and it was it was a it was a while before I got in, but I eventually got uh, through a, a contact. Um, I got a I got introduced to the academy manager at Swindon Town at the time, and he um, was. I think they were just looking for for volunteers initially, just to help um, with this sports science program. And it was it was around the time when the EPPP was beginning to come through, um, and I think the the sort of the strain, not the strain, maybe that's the wrong word, but the lower league clubs were having to put these these programs in in place with a not a lot of resource so yeah. it's difficult so they were relying on volunteers and and i as i say went in with a bit of experience um albeit um sort of on that sort of internship that sort of part-time into well full-time internship but that that sort of level um but that was really good so i volunteered there and and, and eventually that led to a full-time role uh, which i did for a year Again, um, great experience. Worked with um, with some great people at, at Swindon. Um, got got a little bit of exposure within with, with the first team, um, just helping out really, and um, um, and just just spending a bit of time with the first team staff, just kind of listening and and trying to sort of pick up little things. And um, then there was a staff change at Swindon, um, and uh, the manager who who left um, then got the job at Forest Green. And then um, I got a phone call and, and was asked to, to interview for a first team fitness coach at Forest Green. Mm-hmm. Been there. So be, this is my sixth season now. So, Brilliant. Brilliant. So yeah, that and wasn't got, too long. That was quite brief. That was, that was, that was concise. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, we'll go into some of the work you do at Forest Green because it's really interesting if anyone knows anything about or have heard anything about the club. But So we'll go into that in a little bit. But I want to just take Not you sure. back on something you said just before about um, having the intention. So a lot of people I speak to have the intention when they set out of wanting to work in football. And obviously with it being a football mm-hmm. podcast, that's generally the way. I'm sure it's the same in other yeah. sports as well. Obviously it wasn't the case with you. You said you, the intentions at first were to go into teaching. So what was the thing that sort of switched your mindset yeah, into going um, into football? Yeah, I, I suppose that the, the, I, I, my intention wasn't really to go into teaching, but it was the way that it was the route that I was, I could see the path was sort of laid out in front of me. Yeah. More so, traditional, maybe more of a traditional route. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people on my undergrad um, degree course stayed on for, for a fourth year and did a PGCE. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, I know quite a few of them have, have, have become um, P teachers and, and done really well. And I, and I, I, I kind of, I guess with my work at the school, I, I saw both sides of both sides of the coin. So the kind of teaching the, the kids that wanted to be there, doing their extracurricular sport, um, and then actually teaching kids that didn't really weren't really interested in PE or games or um, or whatever. And I, I, I found that quite quite challenging. Um, you know, I just thought everyone loves sport like me. So, yeah. you know, 
Um, but, but when you're in that environment, you've got the sporty kids and the not so sporty kids. And I got some good experience as well in the um, on the sort of pastoral side. It was a it was a day and, and a boarding school, um, so I I got quite a lot of experience working actually on the not the academic side as such, but but spending time with the, with the boarders um, and and sort of doing general work around the boarding house from a pastoral side of side of things, which was really interesting. Um, and I think if I'd stayed, I, I I probably could have could have done my done my extra qualifications and, and gone into teaching, but. Um, at, at the time of starting my masters, I felt I was I needed something a little bit a little bit more. I liked the idea of uh, working in elite sport, not necessarily football, but working in elite sport. And, and the S and C um, uh, masters came up, um, and there were a few places relatively local, locally for me that that I could study. Um, and it kind of changed there. Really, I, I kind of went actually maybe teaching's not the not the way forward and and um and i'll go into or try and and, and make a career in in, a, in elite sport yeah no brilliant um, no it's it's just interesting because obviously it's well like i say a lot of people we speak to say as soon as i set out going through college or whatever i always wanted to work in football so it's just interesting yeah. to get a slightly different viewpoint on it um the other thing i was going to ask which which is tied in with a few of the recent podcasts i've done um, with guests in the last few weeks is on internships and maybe your reflections of it of, of going through like internships or voluntary work or, or whatever early on um, just to give a bit of advice maybe to some listeners that are potentially looking to do that maybe they're on an internship at the moment like how do you feel or what would your advice be for getting the most from an opportunity like that because it can be easily wasted can't mm. it yeah I, I, I think um I think because I think my nature was 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 that that if I if I didn't want to be there I I wouldn't be working for free. Yeah. So right from the off it was it was a case of you know I, I want this to be a every sort of voluntary position I took was was that with a view to actually I want this to be a permanent position. Or if I was shadowing somebody it would be I I want to be that person. I want to do yeah. the job that the person I'm shadowing. So um yeah, I just got my head down and worked as hard as I could and, and tried to make a good impression. Um, tried to sort of um, sort of reflect, you know, not make a diary and or, or anything as detailed as that, but make sure I'm taking resources away with me. So, um, you know, if I get a handout on a coaching session, whatever it might be, or somebody gives me a session plan, or, or I don't know what it might be, keep it and put it away, and, um, and yeah, just just try and be really conscientious um with a view to getting that that pay position which fortunately really unfortunately for me i got i got in the end um but um but yeah just just trying to sort of make the most of the opportunity because you don't know when it's gonna it was when it's gonna end because especially in football it's such a um a sort of a a short-term um uh, industry and you don't know when things are going to change and 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 you're going to be be onto something else so well you mentioned yeah, it before, but when I, with like I mean, staff when I, changes didn't you like that that can yeah, easily happen exactly but i mean i remember when i um when i first started my masters we did this thing um where you know when you first go on a course or something and you do this really um cringing um so what's your what's your name and what's your background and what do you do um, a bit like the beginning of your podcast <laughs> 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 and um and I remember standing there and um, there were guys around me getting up and saying, well, I've just done a year, a year's internship at Watford Football Club. And then another guy stands up. Oh, well, I've just done a, um, a year's internship at Tottenham. And then a girl at the back of the room stands up and says, oh, I've done a year at, at Wolves. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, is this, is this a thing? Yeah. Because, I mean, as I said, I've not told you how old I am, but when I, when I, internships weren't really a, it's only been a kind of a, a last i suppose maybe 15 year mm-hmm. that it's really sort of took taken off and football clubs have realized that they can well that whether they can or they need to but 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 these opportunities are coming up and and i think we've moved through we've moved through the sort of the the unpaid internship and i think we're now going into a, a kind of a more of a paid internship yeah 
So can you talk to us, Tom, about the club? Because I, I think it's really interesting at, at Forest Green. Because I've only seen probably limited information on what's covered on Sky Sports or, or whatever in terms of the sort of approach that the club take. Can you give us a little bit of background and also a little bit of information on uh, the, the approach the club take? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, there has been, there's been quite a lot of media coverage um, since I've been at the club, really. Um, but um, I guess there's sort of three, three things that the, the, the club sort of focus on um, from a, a sort of an ethos. That's from their ethos, I suppose. Um, and that's energy, transport and food. So um, I guess I'm speaking from a sort of a, a fan's perspective, I guess, uh, supporters. But um, energy is obviously the way that the way the club powers itself. Um, so if you look at the stadium, um, they have solar panels on the roof. For example, um, transport would be um, sort of how um, how spectators and, and, and employees, you know, get to the stadium. So there's um, uh, electric car charging points um, at the ground. So um, uh, that's transport and then food. And that's where the sort of the vegan um, element comes in. Um, so um, eating plant based plant based food which obviously is, is a lot more sustainable than, um, than meat and dairy products. So those are the three big, big things. And there's obviously things that, that go around that and, and that, that goes into, um, but ultimately everything sort of centres around those three, those three points. And I suppose with that, we're looking more towards the food side on how that influences what, what you do and, and the players. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of like, because and I knew obviously about the sort of veganism approach that the club take, but I was interested to hear on how that works with well players, but also staff. Mm. So mm. if you if you're not vegan, um, and players um, obviously want to eat meat, dairy, and all the rest of it, how does that work at the club? Yeah. So so essentially, if you're at the if a staff or a member of playing staff or or any staff is at the at the stadium, um, and they're being fed by the club. Then, then it will be the food will be plant based. Yeah. Um, likewise, if we're um, if we're at, um, if we're at the training ground, it's the, it's the same. Um, if we are uh, travelling, say we're, we're we're an away game, we're travelling and having an evening meal at, at a hotel, that would be plant based. Um, the, the food that the players will eat on the coach afterwards, that the club supply would be plant based. Um, and then any kind of um, supplement that I have to get from a performance point of view has to be plant-based um, or by nature vegan. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't contain any, any um, meat or dairy products. So that sort of essentially in, in a nutshell is, 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 is where we, how we have to operate. And how does that go down with players? Like how do players find that? Actually fine. Um, I get asked that quite a lot, and I think people expect me to, to sort of say that, that, that there's been a, any kind of a, a little bit of um, comeback against it, but, but there really hasn't. Um, I think mm. the players um, uh, they accept the, the, the club's ethos, and 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 um, and, um, and they're they're absolutely they're as good as gold. And, and actually, we've had we've we've got quite a lot of players who are vegetarian or turned vegetarian since they've been with us and, and some even have, have become become totally plant-based mm. um which is which is good you know and, and and they're and they're fine um and but i think um and i don't think it's just the the um performance um benefits as well i think i think because we now we're in a world where information is at our fingertips all the time the players are on social media all the time and they're reading things about sustainability about animal welfare um uh, training um all these kind of things and i think they they're not only looking at well uh, looking at how a plant-based diet might might be able to improve their performance or improve recovery but actually they're looking at actually is is, is this is this um way of way of eating going to be more sustainable um, to the planet for the planet, and yeah. I think there's, I think I think I think people in my 
doing my job in other clubs are going to get players. And I think it's going to be more and more um, widespread players uh, coming into the fitness coach or, or whatever and saying, I'd like to, I'd like to adopt a plant-based um, diet. Can you help me? Mm. Um, and, and as I say, I don't think it'll just be for performance. Performance. I think I think there's wider issues now that the players are beginning to um, appreciate and, and are interested in. Um, and I think it's a useful sort of tool in your toolbox for someone in my role. I mean. In big clubs, obviously, you've got nutritionists and, and, and access to, to people who, who are specialists in that area. But, but quite often at lower league level, um, it's, you know, you're quite often you're a one man band um, and you've got a, a sports scientist or a fitness coach and um, they're acting as the nutritionist as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I see I see I see it going that way a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. It's certainly got more media coverage, hasn't it, over the last few years? Yeah. Um, and like you say, I think there's going to be more and more players playing around with the idea, if if not like committing and wanting more information on it. It's just interesting, obviously, with the club uh, making that decision rather than players, isn't it? So I thought it'd be great yeah. to, to cover because it's, I, I don't know another club that do it. I don't know if you do, but... Um, I, I don't, actually. No, I don't. And it, and it, it stems from the, from the, um, from the chairman, um, and that's his that's his that's his beliefs and that's his 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 approach his sustainable approach to running the football club um but as i say i i'm not sure whether another club would sort of adopt that as a as a general rule but like i said before i think there will be a lot of players and and, and there are there are players um within that you hear about within um within the game who who are who are not only vegetarian, but actually adopting a vegan lifestyle as well and eating plant-based. There's been some interesting, um, some interesting documentary, I think, that, that was on television a couple of years ago. Chris Smalling was on there. And, um, um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's been going to become more and more popular. Mm. Yeah, and it's, I suppose it's also the more research that comes out around it as well, isn't there? And I don't know yeah. if, how much you guys are doing, but it would be really interesting to see around that, like the, the impact that it has. Because um, yeah. I think yeah. people always go go in with like preconceived ideas, don't they, on on this sort of thing? And diet turns into a bit more like religion, and people don't want to change the views yeah. on certain points. But yeah. the fact is that things evolve all the time, and I think to to get information, to get research done on on different areas and different approaches, if it if it shows signs of improved performance, that's what we're about, isn't it? So mm, definitely, there's more and more there's more and more work being done. It's a kind of obviously it's a relatively I suppose it's a relatively new area in in sports nutrition, um, but there is a there is a lot there is a lot of work. Um, I mean, when I when I first started at Forest Green, um, just an example, we we used to travel to hotels, and what what we'd be served up wouldn't wouldn't be great. But yeah. in, but in the last five years, it's it's improved massively, um, and I think a lot of these hotels aren't just getting requests from us. I think I think they're more used to. To, to catering for for, um, for for plant-based not just athletes but plant-based you know people yeah. Um, yeah and 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 it's and it's it's improved hugely um, just trying to, to organize post-match food for the players and, and supplements you know when I first first started at, at Forest Green it was very difficult to get an informed sport vegan protein mm-hmm. now we've got quite a few on the market um, and um, and it's 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 growing all the time, um, so it's 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 a really it's it's, it's quite exciting actually. Um, mm. You know, it's it's you know, I don't, where could it go? I mean, um, you know, we could be sitting here in ten years' time, and and footballers could 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 be you know, vast majority of footballers might might be plant based during the season or something. I don't I don't I don't know, but it's mm. um, yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And uh, what about your approach, Tom? Is it is, is that something you followed before you went to the club? <clears throat> no, not at all. Not at all. No, I, I I I sort of was was quite naive about about the subject and uneducated before I before I came in. Um, and um, you know, a disclaimer to to your your listeners, I'm not I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I, I've only sort of um, uh, kind of tried to upskill and tried to learn about these things since I've been in the role. Um, 
and um, and, and I'm learning all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of there's some good books um, and some good articles, and, and there's some good things that that um, you know sports scientists and fitness coaches could 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 read, which would which would really sort of help if they did have to give advice to. Um, uh, to players if if if, um, if they're interested um, so no i'm not i'm i'm not i'm not vegan um, i'm not a big meat eater either um, and never have been really um, but um but i'm certainly much more educated than i was um, before i before i joined the club yeah, no, it's, no, it's interesting. I, I thought it'd be great to cover because, like I said, we're not going to be able to do it with many other people at the moment no. because no one else takes that approach. So I appreciate That's you you, um, you going into that for us. And I'm sure if people haven't seen what what the club are doing, like you can you can go and have a look. And I, I remember not long ago Sky Sports covering it, so I'm sure there's some stuff still on their website. Yeah, I'm um, sure there. I'm sure there is. But we'll go into what about your role now then? So what are some of the main responsibilities? Um, that you face day to day in your role. Yeah, I mean, probably not not too much different than 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 a lot of a, a lot of other um, sort of sports science and fitness coaches in in the football league. Um, I mean, quite a lot of what I what I do at the moment is is sort of data and and, and data handling and data um, sort of presenting data and that kind of thing. That that's I suppose part of my role. That's that's it's become more that kind of going down that kind of route in recent years. Um, but a lot of my work's gym-based, um, field-based, um, and um, and yeah, it's quite varied, I suppose. But then I suppose at this at this level, you, you kind of have to have to kind of put on different hats um, and, and, and be. Well, I like to talk about the nutrition already. Be the nutritionist and mm-hmm. um, and be the sports scientist and, and, and be the SNC coach. And but I'm 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 really fortunate. We've got a really good um, sort of team of, of um, sort of medical and sports science team and, and, and some some. So we share the load within within the department and, and everybody has I guess their areas of specialism, but also can uh, can help and jump on and assist in other areas as well. So that's really that's really good. So I'm not, I'm not on my own, which is, which is really good. Really fortunate, really lucky. Football Fitness Federation community members can now get discount from another superb partner, somebody that has been on the podcast very recently, Dr. Warren Bradley and his brand Hytro have now given discount to our members. So you can go and check it out. If you're already a member of the community, Go to the member benefits section and grab your discount code and you can go and get the very best in blood flow restriction products. So go and check them out. They join a line of um, other products we have from numerous other partners available for our members on the site. Also going on there very soon will be the presentations from our Leighton Orient and Newcastle United meetings. So if you can't make those or you simply want to watch the presentations back, both of, um, or the presentations from both events, so that'll be David Johnson's, Jordan Tyra's and Dawn Scott's will all be available on the community to watch back on demand. And that joins a long list of other presentations and webinars that are available on there already. So if you're already a member, go and check out the Hytro discount. If you're not already a member and you want to see what it's all about, the good news is if you go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there. It'll give you one month free on the community so you can see exactly what it's all about. After that free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward. You get continued access to everything that is currently on there, including all the new content we will be uploading as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign up there and get yourself a free month. Here's part two of the podcast with Tom Hewen. And you touched on the data there. And this is every week on our community, we, we do like a, a topic to di- discuss with our members. And this week it has actually been, as we record it actually, uh, this week has been around data okay. and how much data informs practice and informs the work that you do. So what are your views on that? Because this is something I spoke to people before on the podcast. Like we, we talk about data and obviously there's loads of data we can collect. 
Um, there's also a lot of data we probably just disregard and don't need, but then some really important stuff in there as well. So how much would you say that it, it, the, the data you collect informs your practice and what you do? Um, I think, I think if I, if I sort of gave a sort of a big overview and, and thought off the top of my head, then I probably wouldn't say, um, that it did too much, but actually when you, when you actually delve and look at all the data we're collecting from different sources, um, be it your wellness questionnaire, GPS, heart rate, RPE, these kind of things, it actually ends up being, being quite a lot. So, um, it, it, it's, um, it, it is quite a lot actually, um, from, from setting the intensity of sessions and discussing with the manager, you know, how, how, how do we want this day to look like, um, through to making decisions on, on whether a player might do a, a, a certain part of the session when he's coming back from injury. Um, again, we're luckily, lucky enough to have access to GPS and heart rate data so we can we can make decisions on that but um i saw this interesting thing the other day about um you know why do we collect data and and um and whether it's usable or not and i think i think it was called i think they, the terminology was was used was burden i think they use um usability versus burden mm. so basically um and again this is the conundrum for everyone i suppose um you know, you're collecting data. Is it usable? Are you going to use it? Because yeah. if you're not, what's the point? And what's the sort of the, the burden in terms of collecting it? And have you got the, the resource to be able to collect it? Have you got the resource to be able to analyze it? You know, is it going to be a hassle, another hassle for you as a practitioner to have to analyze something that are you really going to use? Yeah. So I think that's quite an interesting concept. And, and I think we're all, well, I don't know, but I've certainly been guilty in the past of collecting data and not using it and it's sitting on the side. Because there's an element. And spreadsheets and spreadsheets and then just not being usable. And, and, the, yeah. and the manager doesn't, it doesn't inform our practice on the field, doesn't inform what we do in the gym. It, we just feel like we've got to collect it. And I've been there and, and, and done it. And if anything, I've moved slightly f a bit, bit further back from it in recent years. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's definitely an element of like needing to know what's out there and needing to know what we can collect. And then I suppose only once you've had access to that, do you know whether it's useful or not? Yeah. So it's one of those, isn't it? That I suppose you've got to do it to realise whether it's useful or not. And in some cases it isn't, in some cases it is. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned before as well, which is the key point, that once you've collected it and you, you've realised that it's it's useful and, and going to be effective for what you're going to be doing and informing what you're going to do, it's how you then present it, isn't it? You spoke yeah. about talking to the manager or coaches or whatever. So when we present data, that that's another skill, isn't it? That's, that's something that I'm sure some people do very well. And then I'm sure there's some translation that's lost in that mm. um in that presentation as well from you trying to get your point across. Um, so what, yeah. what's your approach to that in terms of like presenting it back? Wait, if you're speaking to the coach, like um, what's your experience been on that? Yeah. It, it, I think it, it depends a lot on who you're working with, the, the, the manager and the coach that you're working with. I mean, I've, I've worked with, um, I've worked with manager or coaches before where they like a, a kind of a, a, a paper sort of handout, and, and it was always, and, and I remember, um, even when I've sort of been not necessarily being responsible for, for passing that data on, but I've been working on that, presenting, working on, on the actual presentation. Um, and, um, and yeah, and it has to, it's sort of a template and it's got to have this on, it's got to have this on it. And then you hand it over to the manager and the manager will look at it. Well, I've also been down the, down the route where you present a nice piece of paper and it's all you know, template and color coordinated and there's this graph and that graph and then it just gets put on the side and then it becomes, it goes in a recycling. <laughs> um, a coaster. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think, okay, I've not really answered your question, but I think it depends on, on the manager and it depends mm -hmm. on the person you're presenting to. And that's got to be, I suppose for me, the, the, the key driver. It's not how you want to present it or how you think it should be presented. It's how the person receiving the, the, 
the, the data wants to wants it to be how it wants to how he, he or she wants it to be presented um, and that's that should be the key really yeah no great point I've, and i think that's something that's come up again previously um i think it's important just to highlight isn't it that we don't want to do all the work in collecting and and getting this data and then not not getting it over in the right way whether it is presenting in a way that is not effective or whether it is um like however that's getting lost well, I suppose it's just, it's finding out about the person, isn't it? And how they actually want it. Because yeah. I'm sure some of it is just a conversation, isn't it? Like it could just literally be a two minute catch up without anything printed or anything like that. Yeah. But you're given yeah. the relevant information, whereas others are going to be very different. Yeah. I mean, I've used, I've used, like I use email quite a lot at the moment because uh, it seems to be a good, a good, a good way of getting out to, to many people. So different coaches and, um, and different members of staff quick email, um, um, table, graph, that kind of thing. And it might just be that. But, but like you say, it, it, sometimes it's just a, 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 a bit of information. That, that, and it might not just be data that's collected via GPS. It might be data. Um, maybe you wouldn't call it data, but an interaction with a player that, 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 yeah. that then needs to be conveyed to a member of staff. Yeah doesn't have to originate from a GPS unit. It can originate from a conversation with a player. It's still information and it's still potentially important information. And, and like you said, it, it could just be a, a two minute chat, it might even be a two second chat. It might be mm. two or three words, but actually it might be, it might be important to, to, to the session. It might be important to a certain bit of planning that the coach has to do or, 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 or that, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think data is quite a, not is it an overused word? I don't know, but it's used a lot in 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 our industry. In, in, in but actually, data data, I suppose, also is just another word for information. I suppose, which doesn't need to, as, as I said before, doesn't need to come from a heart rate monitor or a GPS unit. And the, and the stuff that doesn't is probably, arguably, at certain times more important isn't it like if a player yeah. is telling you something yeah. and you need to pass that message on like that's yeah. it comes with a lot behind that doesn't it so Definitely. um no i think that's a great point i think it's a great point around data and, and the sort of word and we we just need to add context and understand exactly what we're talking about don't we yeah i think numbers on a screen are great but uh, and, and this is something that's come up quite a lot uh recently with 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 um internally with, with our, our group of staff is is that um, a lot of a lot of the way we present data. So, for example, maybe maybe you use um, acute chronic load ratios, which which we're using at the moment, which I actually hadn't used a huge amount of until the the, um, the current manager came in. But actually, I, I I really quite like it. But there's always a context behind it, mm. uh, and I think if you relied on just presenting that those figures, those numbers alone it doesn't tell the whole story it's like it's like um uh, data from a from a game yeah um this is this is the data from from saturday's game um but actually what it doesn't tell you is um well if it's if it's to say it's a physical report what it doesn't tell you is is possession or ball in play time Mm. or dead time or um weather or uh um, temperature or you know whatever it might be um, uh, how many players that the opposition got the team got had sent off or whatever it might be it, 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 that's just the numbers the story and, and the context is, is something that, that that isn't presented with a number yeah usually <laughs> no 100% I, I thought that about watching the game I'm going to put a bit of a time stamp on this podcast but watching the game the weekend just gone United against um, yeah. Liverpool and they were talking about United's distance cover um, distance cover being so low um, and that they're basically saying that they need to get it up but then you look at a team like West Ham who were I think correct people can correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure there's, there's some of the lowest distance covered in the Prem yeah. but performing and currently at the moment sitting fourth in the league yeah. So you've got to look at it and I'm taking one bit of data like that, like you say, yeah. doesn't tell the, the true story. We, we've not even touched yeah. on sort of game models and the way that teams are approaching games, but like all the factors that you mentioned then come into it, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and actually, when we talk about 
data from, from games, the most important bit of data from a game is <laughs> how, many, how many goals did you score and, and versus how many goals did the opposition score? Yeah. And, and everything else is, 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 is just a noise, really. I mean, if you... If you now, I don't think, for example, Jurgen Klopp is going to be too worried about um, Man United, uh, Liverpool's distance, you know, total team distance covered on, on Sunday. But what he is going to be going to be really concerned with is that his team scored five and Man United scored none. Yeah, and that's I guess that's the most important bit of data. Obviously, that's that's match data and not training data. And match data, I guess, the match is just the just the bit at the end of the week and and what happens happens because it's so dependent on so many external variables. But um, yeah, it, it, I think you can get caught up in it a little bit and you need to look at the context behind it and the bigger picture. Well, you work back from that point as well, don't you? So you get the result, whether it's for or against you, then you start to analyse and break it down. And then that's when the sort of context can be applied then, can't it? Rather than just taking one bit of data, like we say, like distance covered or whatever it is, well, that doesn't really mean anything unless we 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 add the context to it. So, no, it's a, it, I'm sure it's a discussion we could probably have for quite a while. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. It certainly is interesting. But you've mentioned just before about the the team um, of of you guys in terms of the staff. I wanted to. I couldn't get you on without asking about. I know you you had Jonas overworking at the club. Yes, recently. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't, couldn't not get you on and ask about um, some of the takeaways that you took from working with him. Because obviously he's been on the podcast before, I spoke to him before, yeah. and I'm sure many people have seen the work that he does. But for you to get that exposure at a club, um, what were some yeah. of the takeaways from you working with him? Yeah, so we, we were really lucky. Um, we, we had a session with Jonas during pre-season. Um, and, um, oh, what a guy. Um, he, he, he was brilliant. And, um, and it was good because we, he, he delivered to the players um, but then um, some of the staff, myself and a few of my colleagues, got to sat that got to sit down with him and prick his brain for half an hour as well, which was great. Um, take homes. I mean, we 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 sort of had this strand of uh, within the department of, of of sort of this, and again, I know it's kind of an umbrella term, it's quite broad, but this kind of athletic development strand. So what essentially where we where what we wanted our players to look like athletically. Um, in the gym, on the field, um, what sort of numbers they could generate. We're going back to data again. But um, <laughs> in terms of sort of numbers that we could hit um, in, in the gym, um, um, not weights lifted as such, but um, counter movement jumps, sort of power, um, expressions of power. Um, and I guess what a lot of what Jonas did actually was sort of just almost reinforce a little bit of what we're doing. So it's almost like a sounding board just to kind of check, do you know, are, are we on the right lines here? Are we, mm. are we barking up the wrong tree? Are we looking at the wrong things? Are we, are we coaching the wrong things? Um, so that was really good to just bounce ideas off him. Um, but I know he's, he's a lot of what he does is sort of speed development, but it's, it's an actual, a lot, a lot more than that. Um, what, what he actually, sort of, sort of the principles that he, that he introduces, it's not just about developing speed. It's about um, it's about uh, strength and it's about posture um, and it's about injury prevention, um, uh, mechanics. Um, you know, it's 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 everything. Um, and um, and it, 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 but actually coaching as well. So actually watching him coach and and. Um, coaching science and actually looking at him and thinking, okay, well, that's that's really good. I hadn't thought of doing it that way, or, or, or just the way he explains things and the way he manages people within a session. And yeah, that's quite a lot of things to take home actually. But but there was a lot. There was a lot that 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 we thought we came away going, okay, well, we, we we're doing that pretty well. Um, but maybe we we need to do that a bit better. Um, but yeah, it's really worthwhile. Yeah, it was interesting you brought that up actually because that's what I was going to ask. I didn't realize that he'd he'd worked with the players. I thought he just just had the staff. So when you were able to watch him, I mean, I'm guessing you were able to then watch yeah. him coach um, yeah. the players. So that's um, you get real insight there, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And 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 what we've tried to do, and I think this was important to the um, to 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 not only us but the the, the manager and and the coaches was that 
if we're going to have a, an hour session with, with Jonas, with the players, we don't want it to be an isolated, like a one hour out of pre-season that just, uh, we, we don't, we never revisit. We don't use yeah. it again. So we've made a real, um, uh, we've made a real effort to try and reinforce some of the, some of the um, coaching points and, and some of the drills and some of the, the things that the players were doing in that session um, incorporating that into our um, our kind of work on program, we um, you know, and our warm ups and things like that. We don't really um, I was going to say prehab then, but we, we don't really call it prehab. Um, I think when you use the term prehab, I think everyone knows what you're talking about. Mm. But but it but we found that prehab has sort of not that exciting sort of um, connotations. To, for the players you know if you say yeah. oh right we're lads we're going to do some prehab now there's a kind of a oh, oh prehab is it okay so we've sort of returned it we, we sort of call them work-ons so we've identified areas where the players are, are, are sort of um have their weakness and that comes through sort of pre-season screening and and, and tests you know i briefly mentioned about counter moving jump we do sort of things like cat moving jump squat jump you know we don't have a gym as such we sort of have a marquee with some gym equipment in um it's our gym but it's it's um it's kind of kind of like a humble spit and sawdust type um this is marquee and stuff but, but so we can do little bits of, of of work we've got a jump mat and things um, so we can't we haven't got a force plate or anything like that but um we collect some data um at the beginning of the season and we'll we'll sort of put in place work-ons that the players do um, in the mornings, um, in, in, in the afternoons, and during gym sessions. Um, and a lot of those sort of came out of things that, that we'd seen Jonas do and, and, and some of the drills that he put on, we were able to, like I said, reinforce throughout the season or were able to reinforce throughout this season um, and then regularly retest and then change it up for players not getting on with a certain exercise. Let's try something different. Yeah, if we're not seeing any improvement on his on his mobility or his count movement jump or his um, squats or whatever it might be, okay, maybe we need to do something different. Um, and um, we've we've sort of done that for the last few years, and it seems to be working working okay. Seems to get quite a bit of buy in from the lads, which is good. Um, yeah, awesome. So we've kind of gone off bit bit off topic there, but um. But uh, yeah, Jonas is, is that that was a very valuable session. But we 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 did sort of make a conscious effort to try and continue that that through, rather than just being great. We've got Jonas for half an hour in preseason or an hour, whatever it was, and never revisit. Yeah, can you give us an example of something that you've taken forward? Um, I liked. I really liked his um, his sort of mobility. So he did. He did. He did this um, kind of a warm up, really. But it was a mobility session, um, and it, it, it was there was some sort of uh, drills where um, it was a very basic. Um, uh, it was like a cycling drill, cycling in a cyclical leg drill. Yeah. Um, lying on his back, circling his legs. But actually, what he was teaching, yes, it was a mobility warm up type. Drill, but actually, what he was teaching was 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 good um, lower body mechanics. Mm. So active foot, um, stiff ankle, um, circling the feet, toes to shin, um, toes to shins. These kind of things that 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 he would be teaching if he was standing and he was doing a sprint drill. But actually, you're reinforcing it in a in a warm up in a mobility. Drill. Yeah. And then he'd go back and revisit that again when when the players are on their feet. Yeah. Um. So that sort of thing I liked, and that's. Probably, I didn't expect to be taking that kind of thing away from him, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's just one example. I mean, I can think of a few, but that was that was the one thing that popped into my head. Yeah, awesome. Um, really basic, but I use it quite often. Yeah. Um, apart from when it's wet on the floor now, I can't get them to can't get them to lie down now when it's <laughs> soggy and wet on the grass. No, it's interesting. I had to ask because I saw you guys had had. Jonas in and I know the work that he does is is fantastic and he's got the courses he's been running and the, um all the all the stuff that he's been doing has been great. So it's just interesting to get your views and it's even more interesting the fact that he actually worked with the players as well. So um yeah, no, it's really cool. 
we'll move it on, Tom, into just our quick fire questions on the end of the podcast. So yeah, I always sure ask these, these three questions just on the end. First one being, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? That's quite a tough one. Um, it sounds really corny and cheesy, so I apologise. But but almost everyone I've worked with, really, in, in, in not just in football, but but I've picked up things along the way from the different jobs I've done in and in, you know within football and out out, out of football. Um, I suppose if, I don't really want, want to sort of mention too many names, but the the, the, the first opportunity I had in full time football, um, the um, head of sports science at Reading at the time, Carl Hallaby, um, was a was a, has been a big influence on, on my career um, because that was the first that was my first exposure to 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 um, professional football from a from a you know coaching point of view um, and um, he he sort of there's things that he taught me and that, that I would I you know it's all part part of my practice today part of what I do today and, and, and whether that be you know presenting certain bits of data or um, or the way I coach, sort of, the, the, I guess, the, my mannerisms when I coach. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just commu- the way I communicate with players. Um, things, a lot of soft skills, actually, mm. uh, as, well as, as well as sort of knowledge and, 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 um, and, th- and sort of theoretical-based stuff. But, but just, yeah, I, I took a lot of that from Carl. And, and, and yeah, he, he, he took a chance on me. Um, and so, yeah, he, he's been a big influence on my career. But... but but honestly, every every everyone that I've worked with, as as I, I sort of take little bits and um, yeah, I've had I've been lucky enough to work with some really really good people, really really experienced, really knowledgeable, and really good coaches and, and physios and SNC coaches and um, therapists and analysts and well, I could keep going. That's why it's important to get exposure to so, so many people, isn't it? Though that's that's the whole reason, because then you can create yeah. your own style um, from getting exposure to different people and different. They they all coach in different ways, don't they? Like we've talked yeah. about Jonas. Yeah, that's it. And 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 again, it continue. You know, when you you watch somebody coach like Jonas when we when we um, when he came came in, and um, you you do straight away you pick up things, and then you see you find yourself using coaching points that he yeah. that he uses things that, that that he says you know little cues and and um and that yeah that's there's things that i that he said that i've picked up on i use quite regularly now yeah um so yeah that's again it's a bit of a boring one answer i suppose but but um yeah Brill. And then next one is, I always ask, what do you, would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Oh, um, I guess, I, I guess maybe my enthusiasm. You know, I'm, I'm sort of very passionate about what I do and I'm quite conscientious and, um, and because I enjoy it, I guess that enthusiasm comes through. I hope it does. I hope it does. Um, you, you might speak to speak to players, and they, they might disagree, I suppose. But yeah, I, I, I'm sort of really passionate about you know, football's my sport, um, and um, and I think it comes across sort of my passion and not. And, and yeah, I'm 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 enthusiastic when I'm when I'm out there, when I'm coaching, when I'm in the gym, when I'm out on the field. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd probably say probably say enthusiasm. I think. This is a point of the podcast where I need like short clips of the players to come on and give like their their points yeah. of view, don't I? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably, I, I'm well. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> you'd get, you'd, yeah, you'd get some interesting responses. I think. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's something. Well, we'll bring it in the future. We'll bring it in the future. Yeah, I think so. We'll leave that for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, just final one, mate. I always ask about your learning. So in terms of CPD, what's your approach to that? Like, how do you go about constantly improving as a practitioner, apart from getting Jonas into the club? Like, yeah. what's your approach to, um, to CPD? Um, uh, yeah, a bit of everything, really. I, I kind of, um, you know, I, re- I read as much as I can, as, as, as much as a you know, two-year-old allows you to, to, <laughs> to read. Peppa, um, Peppa Pig. 
Peppa Pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tractors and Peppa Pig <laughs> and, and Teletubbies and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I do try and read if I can. Um, and um, I think um, I think so many resources online. Um, I know you've got to be careful about what you read um, on the internet and what you read on Twitter and things like that because it, it kind of needs probably a bit of filtering. But I, I, do, I do I do like listening and listening to podcasts like 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 your podcast i'd have to make sure i get a plug in for for your podcast I'll pay you later and uh, now, now i've been on so yeah <laughs> I, I, it's um yeah podcasts are really good because you can just drive into work and, and you can listen to a podcast so i like that I, I try to get to um well uh, since covid i suppose a lot of these conferences have gone online so that was that yeah. was quite good because they were easier for me to do when they're online than mm. actually go and attend um try and do sort of workshops and UKSCA events and, and when I can and when time allows so a bit, a bit of everything I suppose um Brilliant. yeah a bit of everything class Tom no some some great information in there mate I really appreciate you coming on and um and oh, diving into some me. of that um if anyone's got any questions or they want to just reach out or give you a follow like where would you direct them um, I mean, I'm not a massive social media person. I've got, I've got to admit, um, but um, Twitter's probably the best place. Um, I'm not sure my handle exactly. I think it might be Tom underscore Hewlin. I checked it before, and it is. It, it is. is okay. Great. Yeah. So yeah, no so, numbers or anything, just a no, score. You got away with like that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think there was. There's another Tom Hewlin in um, uh, who's a cricket uh, broadcaster. So quite okay. often I get I get people contacting me asking me about the DRS <laughs> or you know my opinions on I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, hope you I do really like cricket. It. I do really like cricket, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not a cricket broadcaster or, or author. But um, yeah, no. So so yeah, that's probably the best place to get me. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, mate. And um, I'll Not keep an eye on results for the rest of the season. All the best for the upcoming games. Cheers, Ben. Thank you. We'll stay in touch, mate. Thanks a lot. All right. No problem. Cheers. A big thank you to Tom for coming on the podcast. It was great to have him on. Um, go and give him a follow over on Twitter. It's just his name. So at Tom underscore Hewin. And Hewin is H-U-E-L-I-N. Takeaways on this one, I think it was really fascinating talking around all the aspects of the club's approach to energy, transport, and then, like I said, it probably comes more applicable when we talk about the the approach to food, the the vegan approach that the club take. It does surprise me that Tom was saying that that players are all on side and they don't sort of get any any kickback on it um, from certain players, but... I mean, they're top of the league. So as we speak on this, they are currently top of the league. So there's some things that are going right at the clubs, obviously, for that to be happening. So I think it's really interesting. And like we said in the episode, more and more research is coming out all the time. So um, I think it's just looking at things with an open mind and, and looking at where we can improve as well. So that was really interesting to talk around that. Also, the, the, the approach they're taking in terms of energy and transport, which we didn't touch into so much, but always going to be a good thing and obviously that's the way things are going to move going forward as well and then when we spoke about managing data uh, Tom mentioned about data usability versus burden and I think that's what the way we we've sort of described it before is that how much are we using the data we collect how impactful is it on our practice and um, how much of a burden is it like are we are we collecting things for the sake of collecting it or are we actually doing something with that data and how much time is it taken away for, from what we need to be doing as well? And just a little heads up, next week's podcast is going to go into these things a little bit more. So just a little insight into episode 162. We'll be covering that in a little bit more detail. Um, so adding context to the data as well is something that Tom also spoke about. And then he, also the language that he used. So he, he spoke about when they do prehab, they call it work-ons. So little things like that, I think with players can make a bit of a difference because one, I think it makes the, it feel a little bit different to, to using things like prehab, which we might not understand that much. Um, but also it may, maybe makes just a little bit more sense. It, maybe it just gets a little bit confused. The language that we use, we sort of understand it, but do other people understand it? And that's something we probably need to question when we use certain phrases and, and, and words we use within our practice. So 
I really appreciate Tom coming on, giving up his time and coming on the podcast. It was a great to chat with him. And like I've just mentioned, next week, I'm actually getting two previous guests of the podcast back on the podcast to discuss a really interesting topic. So I'm going to leave it there. I was going to give you a bit more of a preview, but I'm going to leave it there. Um, It's already been recorded and it was possibly one of my favorite episodes. So um, yeah, give that one a listen. Episode 162 will be coming next week. But a big thank you again for listening to the podcast and all your support. And I will speak to you next week in episode 162.